the NBA Straya Awards. NBA Australia, how are you going? How are you going? That's right, it is NBA Australia. It's Tuesday. All day. Seriously, no. Not even taking the piss. It's Tuesday. It's April 12. I'm your host, James Clements. I'm a writer sometimes, so whomstever wants to pay with that sweet, sweet folding stuff. And I am here in Larry Armour Studios in the hoodie today. A bit cold. Jeez, what's going on? Here to give you the lowdown on all the ins and outs of... The NBA play-in and playoffs. That's right. The regular season is done. We're in the postseason. It's all happening. We're here repping Australia, but that's all we do. Uh, no games today, so we're going to do awards. There you bloody go. Love this. It's award time. We're going to give out the NBA Australia awards. It's like dickhead of the year, biggest sook of the year, biggest legend. The starting five blokes you want to go smash tins with in this season. <laughs> All the good stuff. And, of course, the actual awards. Uh, so that's my picks for MVP, the Defensive Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Six Man, etc. I've got my All-NBA teams, All-Rookie teams, All-Defense teams, all of it. And we might power rank the teams that didn't make the play-in playoffs. That's right, the bottom ten. We're going to power rank them, see how they're going. So, Because we're not going to talk about them for a bit, are we? No, we'll talk about them around the draft. But now it's the playoff team. So, and uh, we'll finish up with a preview of the first playing games for tomorrow, which is exciting. Cannot wait. Let's get stuck into the pointy stuff. And we'll finish up with a brand new Jingles HR. Good times, great memories. So a fun show today. Bit of a silly one, bro. Let's get into it. Episode 793 of NBA Australia. Let's go. This is Joe Ingalls, and you're listening to NBA Australia. Watch out for the shark attack. Ah, you better. Or you better watch out for the Mad Monday attack if you're a coach in the NBA. Alvin Gentry got uh, given his marching papers as well. as Frankie Vogues. Tough to see, tough to see. Mad Monday gets a bit of a dampener. When he coaches, got shit <laughs> Who's going to buy the beers now? Jesus! Anyway, right. Well, before we get into all the awards and whatnot, let's actually do all that. Let's start with the uh, daily whip around. Frankie Vogues, as mentioned, officially done. The Lakers like, oh, we need a new voice, man. We need a new voice. Is that really what you think you were lacking this year? It was the voice. <laughs> it was, frankly, it wasn't. The fact that uh, you let LeBron run your franchise and, you know, trade for his mates and they're all fucking old and shit. <laughs> I think that might have been more of the cause of your problems there, Lakers. Anyway, so Frank Vogel's like, sweet, I don't mind, uh, you know, being paid to not coach the Lakers. That sounds great. <laughs> so good job, Frank Vogel. Alvin Gentry, as mentioned, also out in Sacramento as well. It's one of those, like, nice little, like, boyoing moments in your brain. You're like, oh, yeah. He was still an interim head coach because they fired Luke Walton so long ago 
we forgot. It's like, oh yeah, shit. Alvin Gentry was still the interim. Amazing. The best part is uh, when they pick their next head coach, this will be their third head coach in as many years. Sixth head coach since Mike Malone got fired in 2014. That is insane. Six. Anyway, look, they should just shut up and hire Kenny Atkinson. Uh, you know, the sort of development kind of dude who can get your team, get your culture right. He's going to work his ass off kind of vibes. Do the damn thing. Build you up. Make you better. And away you go. Are the other names floating around? Steve Clifford? Nope. Mark Jackson? Nope. Mike Brown? Gross. Uh Charles Lee, Darvin Ham might be a good one there from uh, Milwaukee, but still, Charles Lee as well. But yeah, otherwise, look, Kenny Atkins, he's, he's right there, just up the road in San Francisco, hanging out with the Warriors. Uh, I feel like he's the ideal kind of vibe, right? Like, especially depending on where you land in the draft lottery. If you're the Kings, go get a dude who can make your young dudes better. It's what you need. Anyway, sticking with coaches, Chris Finch. Oh, Jimmy, who does he coach? That's the Wolves coach. That's the Wolves coach, Chris Finch. Spent a lot of the, uh, you know, bit of time basically going, oh, shit, am I going to get fired? Turns it all around. They figured out their uh, gear. It's kind of nice. (laughs) I'm happy that they uh, actually sort of figured it out. But in terms of uh, Chris Finch, he got an extension. So that's nice, isn't it? Good on him, on your Chris Finch. And uh, look. He's done a pretty good job, I think, with the Wolves. It's a multi-year contract extension, they say. It's one of those classic things with coaches. You can sort of just say multi-year, and it's like, basically, guess. (laughs) The terms of the deal don't have to be uh, disclosed. So, anyway, multi-year extension, happy days. Look, they've been good at times, but I think what we saw from the Wolves this year was the needed improvement for Chris Finch to keep his job, but also... Uh, in my brain, he made the Wolves just that little bit more reliable. They weren't so combustible. They were very combustible no matter what because they're still the Wolves. It's in their DNA. It's in their genes. But the one betting rule I think we've got here in NBA Australia is like just never trust the fucking Wolves. What are you doing? We still tend to not to, but it's not as uh, brutal as it has been in the past. So good job, Chris Finch. Especially keeping D'Lo, Ant-Man, Cat all on the same page and at least kind of all playing hard-ish. Pretty good job. Other news! Speaking of GMs and front officers, LeBron reckons he's hands off. Oh, nah, man, it's got nothing to do with me. They'll ask for my opinion. I'll give them my opinion. But look, nah, man, that's up to the front office, isn't it? AKA, this is all on uh, <laughs> Rob Palinka. Oh, Rob Lowe over there. The off-season decision-making process is all up to them. Sure. So you put them in this position, LeBron, and it's, oh, it's nah, it's their responsibility to dig us out. Classic LeBron. Um, this is how he rolls. He'll burn your franchise down to the ground in four years, and then he'll fuck off, leave you to deal with the ashes. He did it in Cleveland the first time around. Did it in Miami. Didn't in Cleveland the second time around. <laughs> He's been in f- four years with the Lakers. He's missed the playoffs twice, won a title, and had a first-round exit. So Now he's older and shit and uh, doesn't care anymore. But anyway, um, so that's going to be fun. 
Uh, Luka Doncic, the MRI that he had, the Mavstar, confirmed a left calf strain. That's all we've got. They don't actually have to give us too much more information because, uh, I mean, they don't play until, like, Sunday our time. So, against the Yaz. Because we've got the play-in before the playoffs. Playoffs start, so that's kind of neat. But anyway, look, hopefully Luka bounces back. Hopefully it's not too bad. Calves are a bit of a weird, tricky one, so hopefully he's all right. It looked fucking painful too, though. Uh, I rewatched it yesterday. I was just like, yeah, he sort of turns and he's just like, oh, wait, no, I can't do anything. Fuck. Crazy. Right. With all that in mind, just a quick, quick, brief reminder of your uh, playoffs before playoffs before we get into the NBA Australia Awards. We've got the first two playing games tomorrow. Uh, we've got the 9-10 matchup uh, between the... No, wait. The 9-10s are on uh, Thursday. We've got the 7-8 matchups tomorrow. Cleveland, that's right. Cleveland! At Brooklyn and the Clippers in Minnesota. And then you've got 9-10 because 9-10 will be on a... Uh, they'll have a, then a day break, whereas the 7-8s, whoever loses, uh, gets an extra day rest. So... Kind of neat, kind of fun. Uh, and then, obviously, we've got the one-seed Miami waiting for the eight-seed, the two-seed Boston Celtics against the uh, seven-seed, whoever that's going to be between Brooklyn and Cleveland. Millie Walker versus Chicago, Philly-Toronto. Oh, some tasty ones there. The Bucks are big favorites against Chicago. Crazily enough, Toronto-Philly is actually, it's one-and-a-half-point favorites in the series are the Sixers. That's uh, pretty big, pretty, pretty big. And on the flip side as well, in the West, you've got your one-seeded Phoenix Suns waiting the eight-seed, two-seeded Memphis waiting for the winner of Minnesota-LA. That's a tasty matchup no matter what. Golden State up against Denver, where who do you think would be favoured in Nuggets-Warriors? Because if you answered Warriors by one and a half, you'd be right. Hmm. It's a bit of an interesting one. I'd probably take Denver. And Millie Walker, Chicago, the Bucks are big, big favorites. Two and a half game favorites. <laughs> it's chaos. Uh, we'll give them one game, maybe. Um, and yeah, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't put money on the Bucks already. Right. Let's do it. It's the end of the regular season. It's done. We're in the postseason now. Your ballots have got to be in. Let's do it. All the awards worth giving. In the NBA Strayer Awards. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The NBA Strayer Awards. Unbelievable. Here it is. That's right. The NBA Australia Awards for the 2021-2022 season. Unbelievable scenes. It's been a great year. I've enjoyed it immensely. Ups and downs. Crammed a lot of games into not too much time, it feels like. But we got there. We welcome Josh Giddy into the uh, NBA fold. Jock Landale. Say goodbye to Dally. Kung Fu Thon. No more Dante. Tough scenes. But hey, bangers. Look. Hopefully he'll be back next year. We'll see how we're going. But either way, 
Here we go. The NBA Strider Awards. We've got Dunker of the Year. Basically, the bloke who I'd be most terrified to go up against and going, ah, oh, fuck, I don't want to be a poster. Uh, ja Morant wins this one because he's always literally threatening to jump over dudes. He's like, hey, there's one reason you know Freddie Vice. That's right, Freddie Frederick Vice. Hello. Uh, from the 2000 Sydney Olympics. It's because he got jumped over. Seven-foot Frenchie being jumped over by Vince Carter. And John Moran's like, I will do that to all you motherfuckers. Every single last one of us. And you won't know it's coming in. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, he dunks it so viciously, so awesomely that there's something like, if John Morant did it on the court, you'd be like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. There's like literally nothing that he couldn't do. You'd be like, oh, yeah, it's John Morant. Shit. Uh, basically, if it was he, like if you had like the, you know, number one pick of dude you want to see in a dunk comp, it might be LeBron because that'd be hilarious. But then it'd be Ja Morant. So let's go, Michael Bridges, Ant Man, Miles Bridges. Like, I don't know if anyone threw it down harder or more often with or more panache than Miles Bridges, but Ja Morant was right. Um, he was just so much more vicious and much more likely to put you on a poster. Miles Bridges was probably the sneakiest one who might do that. So. There you go. They're the four best so far. And Aaron Gordon has still got hops. I kind of enjoyed him this year too. So, Dunker of the Year. Ja Morant, Michael Bridges, Ant-Man, Miles Bridges, Aaron Air Gordon. Dog Act of the Year. A couple of good ones. Benny Simmons throwing his teammates under the bus, refusing to play to fit for Philly, helping out with the trade value no matter what. Absolute dog act. Leaving your mates hanging out to dry. Brutal shit. Joel Embiid taking out our beloved mop-top mumba, Josh Giddy Midair. Dog act. Absolute dog act, Joel Embiid. He loves doing it too. Uh, but dog act of the year is the one-two combo of Markeith Morris and Nikola Jokic. Hello. Having a crack at each other. Markeith with the shithead shimmy. With the big, big, big run past, blindside, elbow to the ribs, lift him up. And then Joker lining up Keith. Keith with his back turned. <laughs> Joker just fucking poleaxes him with a big hip and shoulder. Snaps his head back. Out he goes. Knocked him out for, what, two-thirds of the season? <laughs> Jesus. Uh, still at both dog acts. And uh, there you go. Joke is probably the bigger dog act because his back was turned to him completely. It wasn't completely unwarranted, though, because uh, Keith was a dog act, too. Sickest moves of the year. Tyrese Maxey had some sick moves. Every time he drove the basket was a sick move, Tyrese Maxey. Kyrie Irving. As soon as he came back as a part-time player, he's like, hey, check out these sick fucking moves. You dribble, 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 dribble. I'm picking up the ball. Oh, where am I going? Dunk. Well, not really a dunk when it came to Kyrie, but a nice little runner in the paint off the backboard. In we go. Ja Morant, sick moves. He'd be like, oh, look at this ball. Over. Oh, no, I'm dunking on you. But I'll tell you what my favorite combo of sick moves this year was. It was Shy Red and Gilgis Alexander, Shay Gilgis Alexander, and the mop-top member himself, Josh Giddy. I believe... They're in OKC. There is something brewing. Something special. Just the sheer fucking balls and both both Giddy and SGA 
They're the size of Uluru. It's unreal. Giddy slinging behind the back, behind the head, half-court passes, doing crazy shit. SGA, every time he drives, he's got the ball on his hip. He's going to throw it this way, that way, doesn't matter. Lefty, loopy, weedy, righty, tighty, what's he doing? Oh, God, it's going in no matter what. And I think they have, in OKC, a pair of dudes with some of the most unique sick moves in the NBA, which is really cool and really special. And I absolutely... Like, OKC are going to be fun to watch next year. Like, there were times this year they were fun. Give them, like, a little bit more talent. (laughs) Away we go. (laughs) Like, at points they were a bit of a freak show, but goddamn, love it. Spot of the year. Spud, 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 spot of the year. I'll tell you what, there's a reason. It's called the Davis Batans Memorial Spot of the Night Award, basically, during the season. It's because Davis Batans, hey, stupid damage beard, was again Spot of the Year. I love it. This is the Ryan Anderson historical overpaid big white guy who only shoots three awards. Uh, because Davis Batans is like the inheritor of the Ryan Anderson um, historical monument to getting paid a shit ton of money after having one good year of shooting threes and then never being good again. <laughs> he shot 36% from the floor this season to Davis Batans, 33.5% from three. He's literally being paid to shoot threes and he's not good at it. 33.5%. He takes 4.9 field goals a game. 4.1 of those are three-point attempts. And he's hitting 33.5%. That is unbelievable. Dude's getting paid 20 million bucks a year. Well, not 20 at the moment. I think it's like 16. But Batans averaging 5.6 points a game. I'll tell you what, though. He hasn't been that bad when he's been on Dallas, which is weird. He was just absolutely horrible on uh, Washington. But then, you know, it wasn't too bad down the stretch there in Dallas. But Jesus, the Davis Batans Memorial Spot of the Year Award is what we're going to have to call this one. You won job, mate. Hit threes. He literally had the lowest, second lowest field goal percentage of any sort of half-decent player who played in you know, let's call it over 50 games in the season. In his field goal percentage, he was ranked 505th in the NBA anyway. 36% in 14 minutes a game. Absolute spud vibes. Absolute spud vibes. I mean, there's some other ones right there. RJ Hampton, bit of a rough one for him. 38. Isaiah Joe and Philly. He's a young dude, though. Facundo Capazzo, 36%. Devontae Graham, the big signing for the Pelicans, shot 36% from the floor this year. 34% from downtown. Absolutely brutal. Uh, but probably my favorite was fucking Furk and Corkmaz. Uh, you know, a couple of good games, years here and there. This year, Corkmaz got one job. Hit threes. He went 28.9% from downtown this year on four threes again. Anyway, but Davis Batans takes this in a canter. Right, the big ones. Bloke who most improved their standing in my Jimmy, his eyes. The winner of this was Jason Tatum. Now, we've uh, taken our shots at Jason Tatum over the years. Ah, he's not bad for a 19-year-old because everybody jacked off about how young he was the entire time. This year, his consistency 
especially in the second half of the year, was fucking special. Hashtag spoiler alert. He's on my all-NBA first name. He was absolutely unreal this season. Uh, so I'm going to have to say that in terms of dudes who I just in, enjoyed watching that bit more, Tatum was right there. I still kind of just, I love Jalen Brown, but Tatum raised himself probably the most out of anybody in the NBA this year in my reading of them. You know, it was right there. It was one of those moments where you're like, hang on a second, is Andrew Wiggins making a run at this? And then in the second half of the season, he's like, nah, nah, nah. Nah, nah, it's good. It's all, Jimmy, it's all right. I'm still Andrew Wiggins. You're like, yeah, that's, he sure is. <laughs> Miles Bridges took a big step. I enjoyed that. Uh, In terms of other dudes taking really big steps, I was kind of uh, impressed by the way RJ Barrett for the Knicks just sort of kept plugging along and just got a little bit better and better and better and better as the season went on, Uh, but nowhere near Tatum. He improved their standing the most in my eyes this season pretty easily, I think. Uh, The starting five. Of blokes I want to go and have a night out on the tins with. This is the five blokes in the NBA I'm taking with me. Number one, Patty Mills. That's obvious. Good vibes only. He's a cool dude. A chill bloke. He's Australian. He and I are going to get out on like a house on fire. It's going to be sick. He's like, Patty, we're going to get beers. He's like, fucking sweet. Next up, Ja Morant. Same thing. But with an air of le- recklessness. You don't know what's going to happen. John Moran's out here with you. He's like, guess what? We're going straight through the court. And you're like, all right, let's fucking go. John Moran said it. We're doing it. We're also going to jump this hedge. Who knows what's on the other side? Dame. Dame. Remember Dame Lillard? Jesus. Uh, he's in my starting five of blokes I'm going to go get a beer with because A, chill as fuck. B, super famous still. And this is the underrated aspect. You want to take someone famous in your uh, starting five, we're going to get beers, because they'll get you into cooler shit than you, Patty Mills and John Morant, might be able to get in your own. Uh, Dame is like, no, 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 I know everybody. I've been around for ages. I'm super famous. Trust me. Uh, It's like a much better, cooler, less strip clubby version of James Harden. (laughs) Next one, Giannis. Speaking of really famous, but at the same time, Giannis is famous, but, I mean, dude won finals MVP. Dude won a title. I wouldn't put him in the top, what, three most famous players in the NBA right now? LeBron, Steph, Kevin Durant. Giannis is still in probably, what, top 10? But talk about good vibes only. Giannis is a dude who I feel like you get three beers into him and he's the loose prick. You just don't know what's going to happen, but it's good vibes, but at the same time might get a bit chaos. He's definitely got that air about him. It's like, oh, what happened to Giannis? We lost him. Oh, yeah, he's uh, swimming in the Yarra. (laughs) What the fuck, Giannis? I decided to go for a swim. Has he got a kebab in his hand? (laughs) And the last one, the easy one. You need the bouncer, Stephen Adams. If only, because you need Stephen Adams to talk to the other bouncers. Sometimes, I mean, I think running with Ja Morant, Dame Lilly, Patty Mills, Giannis, and the Kumpo. We probably don't need Stephen Adams to talk our way into some of these places we need to get to, but we do need security. And I reckon you put Stephen Adams in a Hawaiian shirt and that is your night made. Like, it's just, he's going to bring a hungy. 
We're going to get on the tins, a few sarsaparillas here and there. Off you go. And uh, I think that is just a package of five dudes that you go get on the tins with, and it's fucking unreal. Best night of your life. Guaranteed. Uh, so that's the starting five. Ja Morant, Dame Lillard, Patty Mills, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Stephen Adams. Stephen Adams, bro. Definitely no Joe Ingles. He's just like, I want to go home to bed. I've got like eight kids. <laughs> ben Simmons is like, nah, man. Go home to my fiance. Have you seen her? Uh, last place is Tyler Hero because he would 100% try to shag your wife. <laughs> Tyler, leave her alone, you prick. Tyler, I will fucking smash you if you talk, stop talking to my wife like that and try to show her your dick. Fucking weirdo. Uh, the starting five of these blokes, I want them on my team because they've got my back. Blokes. There you go. Pat Bev. He's just going to take the focus off you because you get into a fight with somebody, Pat Bev comes running in, the focus is 100% off you, and they're going to try to fight Pat Bev. James Johnson. There's a reason he's nicknamed Bloodsport because he knows MMA. That's sick. Udonis Haslam. He was going to bash fucking Jimmy Butler, his own teammate, because Jimmy Butler was talking shit to Eric Spolster, the coach. Give me Udonis Haslam on my team every day of the week because he's got my back. Stephen Adams, that's obvious. He's the world's biggest Kiwi, which is saying a lot. Uh, he's also got about a million brothers and sisters. so, uh, And that's where the last one goes, Nikola Jokic. Uh, I want him on my team because that way his brothers are on my side. And I don't want to fuck with the Jokic brothers. In last place, Markeith and Mook Morris. Because they're not going to do shit for you. They're going to do shit for themselves. You know what I'm saying? They're fake tough guys. That's how it goes. Right, the other actually big awards. This is it. This is it. The biggest sook of the year, flog of the year, dickhead of the year, and biggest dead set legend of the year. Biggest sook of the year, Ben Simmons. The Philly fans are going to be mean to me. I don't want to play in Philly anymore. <laughs> that wasn't an impression of my three-year-old squid. That was Ben Simmons. They're going to be mean to me. I can't believe Doc Rivers said mean things to me after the game. I can't believe Joel and B thought it was my fault that we lost. You were fucking shit in last year's playoffs, Ben. In the Atlanta series, just go back and look at the uh, fourth quarter scoring numbers. Look at the free throw shooting. It's just a picture of him with shit running down his leg. That's how badly he crapped his pants. And then here's the temerity to go, oh, you got to trade me. Oh, I can't believe you guys are so mean to me. Yes, your teammates and your coach should have your back. At the same time, the things they said were so fucking beige and vanilla that you got to be a, the world's biggest fucking sook to not take that on as valid criticism and go, you know what, I should have been fucking better. And actually go out and try to prove the doubters wrong. Instead, you go, no, I want to be traded because you're mean. Fucking trophy generation right there. Jesus. No, I want to go somewhere where they'll be nicer to me rather than me having to work harder. So Ben Simmons wins biggest sook of the year in a fucking canter. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, next up is Enos the Penis Canter, a.k.a. Enos Freedom. I can't believe Boston cut me because I spoke out about politics. No, they cut you because you're shit. Yeah, that's a bit of a sook. But uh, Ben Simmons runs away with biggest sook of the year. Now, this is a bit of a tricky one. We've gone with flog of the year. The winner of this is Kyrie Irving. 
Because dickhead, dickhead of the year also applies to Kyrie Irving, and he could easily win fuckwit of the year as well. But Flog just suits Kyrie Irving so much better. Because the personification of a Flog is a guy who's just word-salading his way through a bunch of bullshit that makes zero sense to anybody, but he's big-upping himself at the same time. Oh, I'm standing up for the little people. No, you're not. You're just being a cunt. We all know this. We get it, Kyrie. You're a giant flog. Nobody else goes on IG Live to explain themselves and ends up talking at their ass for another 45 minutes, again, with a bunch of shit that makes no fucking sense. You're a flog, you idiot. Oh, I can't believe New York City mandates are so mean. Just get fucking vaccinated, you flog. Oh, I'm in this from my brother. I just love playing basketball. Well, you don't love it that much if you just don't want to get a fucking vaccine, you dummy. Oh, I never said that the earth was flat. Yes, you did. <laughs> you fucking flog. <laughs> Curry Irving easily wins that. Dickhead of the year. James Harden. Uh, a couple of other ones, Draymond, Pat Bev, Markeith Morris, but James Harden uh, absolutely dogging the boys and loafing his way out of Brooklyn uh, when the going got a little bit tough is absolute... And then say, oh, nah, man, I always wanted to be in Philly. Nah, 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 I always wanted to be in Philly. When he got to Brooklyn, he's like, nah, I've always wanted to be in Brooklyn. Absolute dickhead territories. Fat man who Brooklyn can we're going to miss him there in Brooklyn, I guess. But uh, you really enjoy that one, Philly. Uh, but Harden, 100% dickhead of the year. Just the loafing. He loafed his way out of Houston. He loafed his way out of Brooklyn. Philly, what makes you think anything else is going to be different? I'm just saying. It's not great. And then biggest dead set legend of the year. It's the only person who could cure our biggest sook of the year of his dickheaditis. Patty Thrills. Patty Thrills Mills! Woo! Patrick Sammy Mills. Australian of the Year. Sir Patrick Mills. Leader of the Australian Boomers to that rose gold in Tokyo. In an absolutely fucking insane Brooklyn year where... James Harden loafs his way out of town. Kyrie doesn't get vaccinated, becomes a part-time player... Eventually, they change the fucking city mandates so he can actually get on the court. He's such a prick, he's still not vaccinated. Patty Mill and KD goes out there, the number one seed when KD's playing. KD sits with an injury, does his weird sort of uh, bruised MCL. And uh, Patty Mill's just a bastion of calm, cool, and collectedness on this Nets team. To the point where Ben Simmons is suddenly like, oh, actually, I don't mind basketball. This is pretty fun. Patty's here. He's my best mate. This is fucking awesome. Patty Mills, you are the biggest dead set legend of the season. I love it. All right. So there's the first half. We're going to do the actual awards, the MVP, six-man rookie, coach of the year, defensive player, most improved, etc. Right after this. This is Cam Glidden. This is Anthony Drimmick. This is Mitch McCarran. This is Jason Kiddie. This is Daryl McDonald. Hey guys, this is Hugh Greenwood. Yo, what's going on? This is Ellie. This is Mark Worthington, or commonly known as Wertho, and you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. And you're listening to NBA Australia. You're listening to NBA Australia. 
All right, let's do some more awards. But let's do the nerd awards. That's right, the normal, the normies. That's what this is, the MVP this year. So this has been the trickiest one, I think, I've thought about for a long, long time. You've got three clear frontrunners. You've got Nikola Jokic, you've got Giannis Ndurgumpo, and you've got Joel Embiid. They're absolutely neck and neck across the line uh, in terms of stats. Uh, Giannis, 29.9 points, 11.6 rebounds, 5.8 assists. He shot 55% from the floor, 29% from three. Bit brutal, but otherwise. What's he got? 1.1 steals, 1.4 blocks. It's basically the same as Embiid's numbers. Embiid's at 30.6 points. He wins the uh, scoring title. He's there with 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, shoots 49.9% from the floor, 37% from three. 1.1 steals, 1.5 blocks. They're basically neck and neck. And then you've got Nikola Jokic, 27 points a game, 13.8 rebounds a game, basically eight assists a game, one and a half steals, 0.9 blocks. He did shoot 58.3% from the floor, 33.7 from three. And MVP is a tricky one. Up until probably, I don't know, three weeks ago, I was leaning in bead. Then Giannis was on a tear. Then Giannis sat out a couple of games. And then Nikola Jokic probably just brought it home with a couple of massive, massive performances. And it's weird. People are like, oh, nah, but he's got his team's like a six seed, bruh. It's like, they're like, in terms of actual wins and losses, Denver only three wins behind the Bucks and the Sixers. <laughs> three wins. It's fucking crazy. It's ridiculous. 51 wins for the Bucks and the Sixers versus 48 for the Nugs. Nugs playing in a crazy conference. And uh, I think I'm going to go with Joker. I think that's where I've landed. I think just across the season, without his two best players, to keep that team alive, it's a bigger ask than what both Embiid and Giannis were tasked with. And I think that's where it all sort of falls apart. Like, the most imp- most valuable player of the M- of the entire NBA season, like, kept this Denver Nuggets team, which could have been an absolute shit show without Jam and Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic was the singular reason <laughs> that they made the fucking playoffs. Like, it wasn't Aaron Air Gordon. It wasn't Will the Thrill Barton. It wasn't Monty Morris. It was fucking Nikola Jokic. He put up numbers. But the thing is, just this sheer weight of them running everything through him all the time. Like, the on-off sp- uh, splits and everything and just absolute chaos. And I think that's where I've, you've just got to land on Joker. Like, his... His VORP is through the fucking roof. His BPM, box plus minus, is crazy. His win shares it more than the other two. Is, like, it's just all the advanced shit is right there. His offensive rating and his defensive rating are just as... They're better than both the other two. Like, I've just landed on the Joker. It feels weird because I really felt like Giannis was doing everything. And as I sort of said in the last couple of weeks, the fact that Giannis might have had a chance to win Defensive Player of the Year and the scoring title is chaos to me. And that should probably make him the MVP, but he is also playing out there with a pretty good team, a team that won the title last year. Chris Middleton, Jeru Holiday next to him. Joker's without those two next best dudes on his team all season. He's the fulcrum of everything they do. And I think he's the MVP. 
Embiid, I've probably got him third. I've probably got Giannis second. Embiid, I thought what he did at times was absolutely remarkable. The way he stepped up was incredible. But Giannis on both ends of the floor was just that scary little bit better. They both basically played the same amount of uh, games. They had almost the exact same numbers. I just feel like Giannis' impact uh, on both sides was just that scary little bit more. So Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, top three. And then you could probably round it out whichever way you want. I'm probably going to go after that. Luca, Booker, Ja, Tatum, DeMar. Sounds about right. And that's pretty good. Six man of the year. There goes my hero. Absolutely crushed it. Uh, this is the easiest one. Kevin Love, Brandon Clark, Cam Johnson, Jordan Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, none of them held a fucking candle to there goes my Tyler Hero. He wins six man of the year in a canter. Rookie of the year. This was a bit tougher. Scotty Barnes, though, got it for me. Mobley getting injured towards the end of the season. Uh, didn't help. But Scotty Barnes, he had like a little bit of a swoon around the All-Star. Bounced back straight away. Absolutely crushed it down the stretch on a really good team. And I think this is one of the things that most prognosticators don't really look at. He contributed in a meaningful way to a good team. Mobley did as well. Mobley bumped up that Cleveland team to a... Uh, a team that actually had like, you know, was a bit of a force to be reckoned with. But as soon as Jared Allen went out, Mobley's numbers plummeted and his effectiveness waned pretty dramatically. Whereas, I mean, the Raptors in and out of the fucking lineup were all their vets all year. Scotty Barnes was a rock. All he did was bring it every single fucking night. And look, I was down on Scotty Barnes coming into the season. I'll happily admit that. And he has exceeded all expectations. He has done more for that team than I think any of the other rookies did in the end. Uh, Cade Cunningham comes pretty close. The problem with Cade, I mean, I've made this sort of point a couple of times. Uh, his inefficiency for a lot of the season was pretty rough. Then he was really fucking good down the stretch. Uh, and then sat out, like got hurt. Also sat out a few games down the stretch too, which uh, probably knocks him right at the end for Rookie of the Year. Scotty Barnes just did the most for the longest, for the best team. So, good job, Scotty. Franz Wagner and Josh Giddy were also there. But, yeah, I've got Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, Kay Cunningham. Probably Gids ahead of Wagner as well. Jalen Green made a big push right at the end. He was really good after the All-Star break as well. But it's Rookie of the Year, not Rookie the last two months. And there you go. Scotty Barnes, Rookie of the Year. Coach of the Year, easy for me, Monty Williams. Other people go, oh, nah, man, Taylor Jenkins has got to get it. Monty Williams just coached the fucking Suns to a 64-win year. Yeah, what Taylor Jenkins and the Grizzlies did without Ja Moran is awesome. But at the same time, Monty Williams, absolute legend. Spolstra, Chris Finch, Ty Lue, JB Bickerstaff, Nick Nurse, all right there, but Monty Williams can't be touched. Defensive Player of the Year. Couple of really good ones. I just feel like I wanted to give this to Michael Bridges. All he did all season long was be the linchpin of a Phoenix Suns defense that uh, at every turn in the West, they're playing you know, against wing players of a high level. He's out there crushing it. But he did have Crowder, Aiton, CP3 around him. Marcus Smart. I think I'm going to land on with Defensive Player of the Year just because point of attack, switchability, 
everything that he could do for this Boston Celtics team, he did. And he did it really, really fucking well. They were an absolutely terrifying defense all season. When they rounded into form after Christmas, it was just a bloodbath <laughs> every time you played the Celtics. And Marcus Smart was basically the reason behind that. So Giannis Antetokounmpo, Rudy Gobert, they're right there as well. And like this is why it was so tough. I think Smart, Bridges, Rudy, Giannis, probably Bam, Time Lord as well, Draymond before he got hurt, Jaron Jackson Jr., there are so many worthy winners. I just kind of feel like smart this year. What he did in basically captaining that defense for the Celtics and leading it to like just horrifying levels of effectiveness is fucking huge. And uh, I love him. Great job, Marcus Smart. Most improved player for me, Darius Garland. He was absolutely amazing for Cleveland. Cleveland! All season. That's it, all season. Sexton and he kicking off the year. Ricky Tiki Tata, Ruby O as well. Garland was the linchpin, the rock all season. All he did was up his numbers to crazy degrees and played his ass off and got better and better and better and better and made that Cleveland team absolutely stellar. He bumped his numbers up dramatically, shot better, more assists, more points. Even more rebounds. Like, he just did everything. But I think more importantly, he's like, what? <laughs> I mean, he's, he's 22. And the dude just became, like, the absolute leader of that team. Darius Garland was absolutely amazing all year. DeJunte Murray, Desmond Bain, Miles Bridges, Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey, Cam Johnson, all other worthy recipients, but none of them improved more and got better across the season, and meant more to their team than Darius Rucker, Judy Garland. You legend, Darius. All NBA teams. Woo, boy. First team. Uh, look, these ones felt pretty same, same, samey. Uh, I didn't go with the Joker Embiid. Oh, you can vote one of them as a forward. No, neither of them played forward all fucking year. What are you doing? They're both centers. I've gone with Joker. He's the MVP. He's going to be my all NBA first team center. Giannis. Is my one of the forwards. Jason Tatum is the other forward. And the guards are Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. Ja Morant and Steph Curry would have been there as well. But for injuries, they moved to the second team. Kevin Durant, DeMar DeRozan there. Same. And Joel Embiid is the second team center. So it's Ja, Steph, KD, DeMar, and Embiid. Third team, Trey Young, Chris Paul. LeBron James, Pascal Sikamsiakam, and... Carl Anthony Towns or Rudy Gobert? Who you got? I think Carl Anthony Towns, maybe. Just the shooting. He got better and better and better all season. He was awesome. Yeah, I might have to go Cat. All defense teams. First team, Marcus Smart. Matty T. Aussie Matty T. Matisse Tybel. Michael Bridges. Giannis. Rudy Gobert. Second team, Drew Holiday. Fred Van Vliet, the fight in Van Vliet's, because every time you play Paul, uh, Toronto, you're just like, God damn it, not Fred. Uh, Draymond Green, bam, had a bio, and Time Lord, Robert Williams on the second team. Love that one. It's, like, it's just crazy looking at the old defense. I'm like, where do I put Jaron Jackson Jr.? Shit. <laughs> he nearly, he was right there for me. Maybe ahead of Draymond. Yeah, maybe Triple J ahead of Draymond, because he just played more. Yeah, I'll pay that. Sorry, Draymond, but that's what happens. You got hurt. 
Uh, DeJunte Murray, unlucky to miss out too. And then finally, all rookie teams. First team, Scotty Barnes, rookie of the year. Evan Mobley, Cade Cunningham, Josh Giddy, Franz Wagner. They're the five best rookies. Second team, Jalen Green, Herb Jones, Dasunmu, Davion Mitchell, and Chris Duarte. Awesome year for rookies. Loved it. And there you go. That is all of the All-NBA teams, all of them, all the Nerd Awards, all the NBA Australia Awards, all the good shit. Now let's have a quick break. Be back with the uh, power ranking the bottom 10 teams right after this one. This is Matthew Delvedover, and you're listening to NBA Australia. All right, let's do some power ranking. <clears throat> Unpopular opinion of the day, basically. Now look at me, please. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. So we've got 10 teams that did not make the NBA playoffs or play-ins. And I sort of said this on yesterday's show, even back on Friday's show, about how, you know, heading into the playoffs, the play-ins, etc. you don't want to talk about these teams anymore. I don't want to talk about the fucking Lakers. They're shit. Their team sucks. We're going to do it one last time. <laughs> because, I mean, outside of the draft lottery and all this sort of stuff, all the machinations, all the coaching searches, etc., that's all fine. But that's all off-season, not-on-the-court shit. Let's power rank the teams that did not make the play in the playoffs. On-court viability, off-court viability. What do you reckon? At number 10, I have the Indiana Pacers. This is the worst of the worst. The outlook where you're just like, ah, shit. They have Tyrese Halliburton. Cool. You got Miles Turner. Radical. You've got what? The fifth best odds, I guess, in the end. And uh, I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, they've had a worse record than the Blazers. So, I mean, if they jump up, this all changes. But Indy, just their on-court product all year, just never felt like it had a coherent sort of plan, vibe, or anything. And El Presidente Malcolm Brogdon, cool. Tyrese Halliburton, cool. You're not inspiring anybody. It felt like they were building towards something they just never had any of the wing scoring around the Suvlaki, King, Tomatis, Sabonis, and Miles Turner. Turner got hurt, and that was basically their season. TJ Bubble, MJ Warren, out for the season again, and it's just, there's nothing inspiring about Indy, and it sucks. Because when the paces are kind of up and about, they're fun, and it's like one of the weird things where you look back and it's like, yeah, they just don't tank. If they somehow skip into the top four of the picks, they'd be laughing. It never happens. Number nine, the Sacramento Kings. Their on-court sort of vibe could have like a little bit more uh, top-end ceiling than uh, some of the other teams, I think. But they're still the Kings. You know, they just they have to go through another fucking coaching search. There's going to be a different fucking bunch of opinions from Monty McNair, their GM, their five, like their uh, cap dude and all this sort of stuff. After six years, you've got Darren Fox, you've got... Davion Mitchell, you've got the Suvlaki King, you've got Harrison Barnes. Just none of it is inspiring at all, though. Like Darren Fox and the Suvlaki King, it might be fun, it might be cool, we just don't know. And what are you going to build around it? That's why they're ninth. It's just gross. Eight, the Lakers, because, oh, watch out. The Lakers stink! They really do. 
the Lakers stink. And the thing is, when you power rank the teams that didn't make the play in playoffs, like how do they get better quickly? It's like, oh, well, they're the Lakers. They'll figure something out. How? This is the year that they're like, oh, we'll just put some stuff around AD and LeBron. It'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it might have been. But then you put all the eggs in the Russell Westbrook basket, and that did not work out. <laughs> in fact, the very opposite happened. They were horrible. And the problem is they have no draft picks. they got no way of getting better anytime soon beyond trying to offload Russell on un- an unsuspecting team. And I think the book is done there. I think Russell bouncing around from the Wizards, uh, well, from Houston to the Wizards, now to the Lakers, and it's just it's a shit show every time. And I don't think anyone's going to be talked into that and into giving the Lakers anything for him. So they're up shit creek. That's $44 million. You're basically lighting on fire. And, I mean, you think about the things that you gave up for him, KCP, Kuzma, Trez, and what you could have maybe got with those all those other pieces. You keep Caruso. As Magic says, oh, well, we could have had DeMar and kept everybody. It's like, no, well, you couldn't have. But at the same time, you'd be in a better spot. But at the moment, they're eighth. Uh, seven. I've got the Knicks just because of the uh, confusion surrounding this team right now. RJ Barrett, cool. IK, IQ, cool. Obi Toppin, cool. Julius Randle fucking wants out. He's like, nah, you just signed me to extension. I've had a shit year. I'm out of here. Everyone's like, all right, see ya. All the positive vibes from last year dissipated into the wind along with Kemba Walker's knees and the fact that apparently nobody watched Evan Fournier for the past few years before you signed him to a big contract last offseason. And now the Knicks are sitting there going, fuck, well, we better hope that we can get Zion. Because <laughs> that's what it feels like, right? The Knicks going, ah, shit, we'll just take Russell Westbrook then. And uh, trying to finagle Zion out of New Orleans. It's kind of like their only uh, upside, but otherwise they feel a bit fucky. And their young talent just feels really oddly pieced together. Like the other Mitch Robinson is good. Obi Toppin, good. Tibbs. I just don't know if he's going to get the best out of a young team again. Like This is not exactly what he signed on for. As you've seen with the Cam Reddish <laughs> experiment after they traded for him. And it's weird. Like The Knicks should be better. They should be better. There's meant to be stability. There's still movability, though, so the offseason is going to be a fascinating one for them. But in terms of them right now, just their talent level, their assets, I just don't like them that much. Six, the Wizards, similar kind of vibes. they got Brad Beal. An aging-ish kind of star who always gets hurt. And you've got Denny Avdijar, you've got Corey Kispert, you've got Rui Hachimura. A couple of big dudes and Thomas Knott, Kobe Bryant, Dan Gafford and co. It seems like, and you've, of course, got the extreme Zingameal. The extreme Zingameal. So on paper, it's kind of like, that's kind of fun. I just don't know how it's all going to tie together. You saw it at the start of the year. It was kind of fun, then it wasn't, and then it was bad. All bad. And the Wizards just kind of go, eh, shrug. It just feels like a mid-table team for like the foreseeable future, and that sucks. So that's not a great power ranking. Five, Portland. Similar vibes to the Wizards where you've got an aging star. But Dame is better than Beal. And I still kind of like their assets more than I like the Wizards. You've got Anthony Penny Simons. He might be one of the better young players in the NBA. We just don't even know because they shut him down. But I kind of like where Portland's headed a little bit more than I do, like the mid-table mediocrity of the Wiz, maybe the Knicks as well. Number four, OKC. I love Giddy. I love SGA. They've got a treasure trove of assets. Can they turn that into actual players, though? 
It does seem year in, year out. It's like, oh, well, we tr- we'll trade a bunch of picks to move up. It's like it turns out to be impossible as everybody falls in love with who they could get with their current pick. If OKC can, I mean, they've got, what, the fourth worst record. So they're essentially similar odds to jump up and the t- stay in the top four as the other three teams ahead of them. And if they can get one of those top three dudes, it could change their fortunes completely. Chet Holmgren, Paolo Vincero, Jabari, off you go. OKC could be rolling. So I think power ranking them. The tricky part is Giddy, SGA, the rest of that roster seems solid, but there's nothing like Dort. Cool. Is the rest of it going to pop? If they can add something to it, might be great. I feel like they're kind of tied with Houston. So I've got Houston at number three because Houston have Jalen Green and a lot of Islander misfit toys. Actually, I might flip Houston. I like OKC more than Houston. Yeah, just change that. Jimmy, you've talked yourself into it. Houston, it feels very much more Islander misfit toys. Jalen Green looked really good towards the end of the season. I mean, the next time you see him pass the ball might be the first time. But um, OKC, I like their chances better at turning Gideon SGA into like a an actual legit proper NBA team rather than Houston's kind of, oh, we've got Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, and he's just as likely to punch Jalen Green in the fucking face as have as have an ongoing steady NBA superstar career. You know what I'm saying? So Houston at four. And in terms of picks, I mean, they're still out, but... They've still got some coming in too. So it's a bit tricky for Houston, but off they go. Okay, see, I like them at three. Number two and number one. Bit of a, as I sort of laid this out, it was a bit shocking. I'm like, I like Orlando a lot. I like Detroit a lot. I like Orlando less than I like Detroit. So Orlando second. But they've got a solid team. And this is the greatest part about the, and so did Detroit. And that's where I've kind of landed with these two. They both already have really, really, really solid foundations. Orlando just has talent. It might not be great talent up and down that roster, but there's like some actual legit NBA. Wendell! Franz Wagner. More Wagner. Hello. Mark Elfultz. Ice Cole Anthony. You've got players and good players. And if you add something just special to that, who knows what could happen. And the same goes to Detroit. But they already might have the special player because Cade Cunningham is fucking unreal. You've got Jeremy. Jeremiah. You've just maybe breathed a little bit of life into Marvin Bagley. But if they get the right piece in this draft, they could be fucking through the roof and off and running. And I think Cade is kind of that sort of dude where it just sort of, in a Jama rant kind of way, it's the tide that lifts all boats. Orlando don't quite have that dude yet. And Suggs has been a bit of a disappointment, obviously, this year. OKC might have that with uh, the combo of SGA and Giddy. But Detroit, I mean, Cade Cunningham is a fucking weapon. So it's going to be fun as hell to see what happens. Portland, Houston, Wizards. Well, Houston, Portland, Wizards, Knicks, Lakers, Sacramento, Indy. Now, can we promise not to talk about them again for a little bit? Good. All right. Sweet. Let's do the uh, game previews for tomorrow. All right. Let's do it. So, as mentioned yesterday, we landed at 57% on our picks for the regular season, which I think in terms of, like, betting, is really good. (laughs) Yeah, if you win more than you lose, it's good, Jimmy. Yeah, good job, mate. Uh, But 57%, so 695 correct picks out of 1,219 uh, for the season. That's bloody good. So, With that in mind, we've got two games tomorrow. We have Cleveland at Brooklyn, and I'm excited for this. I'm going the Nets minus 8.5. I'm betting the over as well because... 
Uh, Brooklyn could easily ring up 140 on the Cavs. The Cavs will drop 130 to keep up with them. Brooklyn will win, a cover, and bet the over. Um, I just think KD and Kyrie in this spot against Cleveland's, uh, you just can't not back them. So give me Brooklyn, minus eight and a half. The home team against the Cavs team that, look, they do have sweet baby carrots. They're not going to have Jared Allen. They're going to have Evan Mobley. You're going to have Darius Garland. you got Kevin Love. They're going to be a bit dangerous. I just think Brooklyn will have their measure. I just think this is the sort of game where KD just goes, yeah, I don't care. We're winning. And Kyrie can do the same sort of thing. And they might look uh, a little bit discombobulated early, but Brooklyn will roll from there. So give me the Nets. Love that. And the second game, we have the Los Angeles Clippers of Los Angeles, California against the Minnesota Timberwolves. We're in Minnesota. The Clippers were two-and-a-half-point underdogs. It's now three-and-a-half. And that has made me even more likely to side with the Clippers. Because I think the Clippers are the sort of team that can really muddy up a game. And now you bring back Paul George. They have the top-end talent to run over the top of you as well while fucking you up on defense. And Paul George causing havoc, doing stuff on offense where you're like, oh, yeah, he's still fucking Paul George. Minnesota have just the variability of being amazing or horrible. The Clippers, just that much more steady. So I'm going to go the Clippers plus three and a half. I think the veteran know-how versus the young upstart Wolves. I think the Clippers get this done. And uh, I'll take the plus three and a half. Uh, looking at Thursday's games, Atlanta and Charlotte. Atlanta are still four and a half point favorites. The Spurs have shortened from four and a half. Under, uh, five and a half point underdogs to four and a half point underdogs. So I think I'm going to go switch to the Pelicans at four and a half. But we'll, you know, make that decision tomorrow on tomorrow's show. Because that'll be pretty nice, won't it? All right. Sick. And that's it for today. Love it. Unbelievable. We'll be back tomorrow to start talking about the play-ins. So Cleveland and Brooklyn. Clippers, Minnesota tomorrow. It's going to be fun on the bun, isn't it? All right, so make sure you're following NBA Australia on Twitter, Face EIG, all over the socials. Check out NFL Australia with myself and Gaz. Adam with World Wrestling Australia. Go search that on YouTube for FWCIE on Twitter as well for Adam stuff. Get around the NBA Australia merch. That's right, nbaaustralia.com slash shop or anywhere through the socials. Just click on, get a T-shirt, get a hoodie. Go on. Support Australia's favourite daily homegrown NBA podcast. It's a lot of qualifiers there, but we're good. Uh, <laughs> chuck us a rating and review on your podcast app. Go on. I don't have Andrew Bogut's money. I've got no marketing budget. Help a brother out, would you? And uh, go download the Noble app. Bang in the code Strayer. Get 20% off that. Big thanks go to From Oslo for the intro and outro song. Check out the new band House Hats. And also big thanks go to Joshua Delarantis, Fascinator. Goldmines, Ramshackle Army, Iowa, Sex Jedi, Green, 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 and Dozers for all the tunes you hear throughout the show. Smash them on Bandcamp, Triple J and Earth, Facey, Apple Music, Spotify. However you listen to your tunes, support your bands. We do. NBA Australia sports stream bands, so should you. All right. That was fun. Love some NBA Australia awards. I'll tell you, it wasn't fun getting up before six because the squid was uh, coughing. A bit more fucking asthma. Poor little bugger. Sounds like he's all right, though, so she'll be right. Sweet as. All right, we'll uh, catch you tomorrow for the fucking start of the playoffs. How good is this going to be? All right. We'll see you then, you dickheads. Uh, we're going to finish over the Jingles HR as well. So this is NBA Australia saying, look after yourselves, would you? And later, hosen.
G'day, Joe Ingalls here, head of Jingles HR, the world's leading HR solutions firm. Is yet what I'm not sinking threes, rehabbing my knee, planting a tree, sipping this cracking Portland coffee, or enjoying my real estate in Paul George's head, I might have to lease that out to the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Anyway, I am the world's leading HR expert. I'm helping you with all your HR questions and problems. And this week's question comes from Frank in Los Angeles. Here we go. All right. Dear Joe, I just got fired on Twitter. Is that usual? Cheers, Frank, Los Angeles. Oh, jeez. It's a bit brief. Uh, yeah, look, thanks for writing in, Frank. Uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, uh, we here at Jingles HR definitely do things by the book. And I think one of the top things in the HR handbook is to not fire your employees on Twitter. Yeah, that's probably a bit of a no-no in Jingles HR territory. I mean, we usually sit down with them first, uh, talk to them about what they're missing in their KPIs, etc. Let them know that we're letting them go. Uh, But if you're doing that and saying that they're fired on Twitter... Yeah, that's a bit that's a bit fucked in the head, that is. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you that much. I mean, as we say here at Jingles HR, I mean, geez, show your employees a hint of respect and fire them in person. Not on fucking Twitter. Jesus. Anyway, uh, so look, there you go. I, I mean, that's not much advice, is it? I'm just saying that's not great. So either way, I hope you're doing all right there, Frank, and uh, best of luck in whatever gig you end up on next on there, Frank. On you. Good on you, mate. Yes, jeez. A bit worried about you now. That's that's worrisome. All right, that's all we've got time for this week. This has been Jingles HR. I've been Joe Ingles. Let's go get some rehab up ya. <laughs>